I'm Brooks Gray, and you're listening to Accidental Theology, a podcast about theology and worship. Today we continue our discussion on the question of what is worship, part two. Last week we began answering the question, what is worship? And we did that by looking at three examples of unacceptable worship in the Bible. And we talked about Cain and Abel, Samuel and Saul, and Malachi. And if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and check it out. It's episode number two, uh, What is Worship? Part one. And here we are today, part two of that question, what is worship? And we ended last week by kind of defining in a statement what worship is. And that statement was simply this, worship is giving worth to God through faith in an acceptable manner, under His own terms, through engaging with Him. And so I wanted to take this week and break that down. What does all that mean? And I want to take a few phrases within there and kind of explain it as we wrap up answering this question, what is worship? Now I'm not insinuating that in two episodes of under 20 minutes we can cover the whole of what worship is, but I'm doing my best to tackle this quickly. And so I hope you're getting a lot out of it and you're sticking with me. So let's just dive right in to that statement of what is worship. And the first part of that is worship is giving worth to God. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look in the dictionary, if you just type, look in the word worth, uh, about said if you look in the dictionary and then type it in, but that's how much my mind is uh, tied in with technology. But if you if you look up the word worth, what you'll see for one of the definitions is the level at which someone or something deserves to be valued or rated. So how does God deserve to be valued? Essentially what that means for us is when we worship God, we're we're proclaiming to him or we're giving back to him his worth. So what is God worth in your life? And that's a that's a heavy question, it's a loaded question because if you're honest with yourself and if I'm honest with myself, you could probably look at a lot of areas in your life and think, you know, I, this is not necessary, but it's getting in the way of my relationship with God. It's getting in the way of my quiet time or uh, my prayer life or, or whatever the case may be. So what we're saying to God is you're only worth this much, God. You're not worth as much time as I'm giving to this other activity or this other person or this um, device that I carry around in my pocket or whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying that all those things are bad. I'm not saying go burn your cell phones and throw away your computers and iPads because I have a lot of those things and I enjoy them. But what I am saying is when we spend more time focused on items, devices, objects in this world, other people in this world, more so than we spend devoted towards God, then there, there may be a problem in our lives. We may not be giving God His worth. We're, we're giving Him less than He deserves. And again, I'm not saying forsake all your relationships, tell your husband or wife or mom or dad that, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Every waking hour is going to be spent with my head in the Bible or anything like that. And I, I know you probably understand that. But we need to get to a place where we value our time with God more than we value these other things. 
that we find our satisfaction in being with Him and hearing from Him. So the next part of that statement when we define what is worship is giving worth to God through faith. And when we talked about this issue, we, we talked about Cain and Abel because when you read in Hebrews, it gives us a little example. I think it's the first part of Hebrews chapter 11, but it gives us a little insight to the story of Cain and Abel when uh, Abel, through faith, brought his sacrifice. And, and so we kind of dis- discussed last week that, you know, does that, does that insinuate, does that imply that Cain did not bring his sacrifice through faith, which is one of the reasons it probably wasn't accepted by God. So when we worship through faith, Hebrews chapter 11, in the very first part of that chapter, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, or depending on your translation, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. And there's a, a guy, a pastor, who wrote a biblical commentary. Um, his name is David Guzik. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I love what he wrote in his commentary on Hebrews. And he said this, Faith does not contradict reason, though it may go beyond reason. One may objectively prove the Bible is the most unique book ever published and has Im- impacted society more than any other book, but only faith can prove that the Bible is the Word of God. Therefore, this is a belief beyond reason, but not in contradiction to reason or against reason. Faith is not a blind leap into an unknown abyss of intelligent realities, but it is taking what is revealed to us in Scripture with the understanding of God's promises manifested in our own lives even, and aligning our thoughts and actions with the life and examples of Jesus to see God glorified. So in other words, faith is being content with our lives being less about our glory and more about God's glory. And not only that, but faith is is also walking in expectation. And now when I say that, I'm not saying that in a manner of, well, I'm claiming the good fortune that God is preparing to unleash in my life, uh, that sort of thing. But what I am saying is that walking in expectations that God's promises are for our good and for His glory. Now, Now please hear me on this. That may mean that while you're walking through a valley in life, you trust that He will never leave and never forsake you. It means that you believe God when He says He'll hear us and He'll heal our land if we turn from sin and seek Him in prayer. It's when you or someone you love is diagnosed with cancer that you hang on to what Isaiah 43 says when it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Walking in expectation, it's understanding that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are far more complete than our thoughts will be. And so when I say that, that we need to walk in expectation, I'm not saying that everything is going to be great, like you can expect God to deliver you from whatever ails you type of thing. It's not this genie in a bottle type of uh, faith that we, have, that we place on God, but it's understanding that we can take Him at His word and that, you know, taking him at his word means that it's what he says and not what we want him, not what we want scripture to say, if that makes sense. 
So the next part of our statement, worship is giving worth to God through faith in an acceptable manner under his own terms. And now you could say that's kind of a redundant statement. I probably would say that's a redundant statement, even though I kind of wrote that definition of faith myself. Not myself. It's not like I just came up with it out of thin air, but through study and uh, and just hearing different perspectives. That's sort of my definition of faith. So you could say that that part is redundant in an acceptable manner under God's own terms, under his own terms, because the only acceptable manner of worship is under his terms. So what are God's terms for worship? And I'll, if I'm completely honest, I'll be uh, up front with you. Uh, this was part of this statement that I wrestled with, and not as much when I was just writing it down because it, I know what I mean by it, and it makes sense to me. But as I was thinking and writing through this episode, I started to think, okay, I know what it means and what I meant by it. Now, how do I explain that? <laughs> and so here's what I could come up with. God's terms for worship, the first and, and most important thing is to come in obedience. The, the great thing about what Jesus did on the cross through his death and, and burial and his resurrection was that, that we no longer uh, we're no longer commanded to bring you know a specific animal to sacrifice or uh, certain offerings. Um, Jesus' death on the cross took care of the need for us to to continue to offer those sacrifices once and for all. His life was enough, but we are to come obediently to God. After thinking that through, I thought, well, man, that's. That's pretty much it. Obedience. That's God's terms for worship. Obedience. Now, there could be a lot said about this. I'm not going to do it today. Um, about okay, what are we? Be, what are we being obedient to? It's that's a pretty broad statement to say be obedient. Okay, what's He told us to do to be obedient to? Just a few things I want to mention today is be obedient, knowing that He is God. Just like I said a, a second ago, His ways are much higher than our ways and His thoughts are far, far more complete and far beyond any of our thoughts. So obedience is knowing that He is God. Out of, uh, You can read that out of Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And not only that, we come obediently when we come humbly in prayer. And out of Second Chronicles 7.14, I won't read all these scriptures, um, but you can look them up. I encourage you to look them up. <clears throat> what the Bible has to say is far more important than anything you'll hear on this podcast, unless I'm quoting the Bible. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, also, when we come obediently, we, we don't come puffed up. We don't come with pride. Um, but instead, we come like the, uh, the tax collector beating our chest and understanding that, that we are sinners, that we don't deserve to be in the presence of God. It's only through what Jesus has done that we can come and we're able to come. So we don't come proudly thinking that God should be honored that we are coming into his presence, but we come humbly with broken hearts. And, um, and I think so many times about reading through Isaiah when he was before the presence of God and the, the train of his robe filled the temple and the only thing he could get out was woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and not only that but I live in a land of unclean people 
there's so many times when I'm I'm humbled in worship and think, man, woe woe is me, because if it weren't for Christ, that's that's all it would be would be woe upon me, and then that leads to us thanking God and, and giving Him worth and giving Him praise, and that's why He's deserving of of all our affection and and you know so much more than anything else in this world because we're so undeserving to even be able to stand before him but but we praise him for what was done on the cross of Calvary the finished work of Jesus and not only that but but leaving his spirit um, with us the holy spirit the comforter knowing that we're not left here alone we have hope of eternal life through Jesus and and hope of of an abundant life through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And also when I think about the God's terms for worship, I can't neglect what Jesus answered when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And uh, his reply was to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, your mind and your strength. And uh, not only that, but love others. And and you can also read in Scripture where it says, if any man says he loves God but hates his brother, he's a liar. And so that tells me when we come obediently um, under God's terms for worship, we're coming without hate in our hearts for anyone. We don't have any ill will towards any person or people group, um, but we're loving God uh, through loving others even in, in a sense and and so if there's any anything in your heart that that you can look at any area of your heart and think man I really think badly about this person and it may not be even a person you work with or a family member but it could be oh what about uh, this person that I disagree with politically or morally what's in your heart about that person do you have any hatred towards anybody that you look at and think, I cannot believe they live such an immoral life. Because let's be honest, that's pretty prevalent in, in the South, in the Bible Belt, which is uh, where I live, um, that it's real easy to look at others and think, well, they, I can't believe they live this way or they believe that way. And very quickly, we can start harboring hate in our hearts and not even realizing it. So when we come obediently before God on His terms, we're acknowledging that I can't have that hate in my heart. I can't. I can only love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength if I love those around me. And the last part of our de- definition was uh, simply engaging with God. So as a whole, it just said again: worship is giving worth to God through faith in an acceptable manner under His own terms through engaging. With him now, what do I mean by that? Through engaging with God, that can kind of sound weird and and open ended, but all I mean by that um, are basically three things. Um, you can call me a good pa- Baptist pastor if you'd like, um, having three points to this point. But engaging with God, number one, prayer. Uh, that seems like a simple thing to do, but so often we neglect it. And here's here's what I hope you hear as well. Uh, prayer doesn't only involve us speaking to God, but it's also about leaving room for Him to to speak to us and to for us to hear Him. And you know, I'm not saying that if you listen close enough, you'll hear the audible voice of God. But in our hearts, a lot of times God will speak to us and reveal to us, 
areas in our own life that that may be sinful and we can confess our sin. So prayer is so much more than just sitting down, closing our eyes and uh, rattling off a bunch of requests and saying, heal my mama, my daddy, my grandma, and my cousin, and all this stuff. Those are those are good prayers, but that's not all prayer is. And the second thing is Bible study. Man, are you hiding God's Word in your heart so that you won't sin against Him? Uh, is His Word your joy? It, you know, And I ask myself that. Is His Word my joy? Uh, does it quench my thirst in, in a matter of spiritually speaking or satisfy my hunger? Uh, we can't neglect Bible study and expect to to really engage with God. And the third thing is corporate gatherings. Now, I don't mean your business party, your, your Christmas party at, at work. I don't mean that. But corporate gatherings, I just mean when you come together with a body of believers. Now, that may be, that may be uh, Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is. But are you are you getting together with other believers so that you can encourage and exhort one another, because the reality is, you can come up with a lot of non-truths about God and start to believe them, and about His character when you're the only one holding yourself accountable. And so, what I try to do quite a bit is throughout the day, I'm, I'm I work in a church, so I can understand it's a little bit easier for me to talk to pastors and and people in the church. But I, I think it's important to have people that you can just talk openly about and, and ask stupid questions and, and what you know what you maybe think is stupid questions and just kind of get others' opinions. Even even in pre- preparation for this podcast, I was talking to people about, you know, hey, this is kind of what I've said. This is my definition for worship. What do you think about this? What do you think that means? And, you know, it's scary because I'm like, what if I define worship totally wrong? I've already released the last episode. I'll have to go back and – um, you know, rescind my statements and change my definition. So uh, there are times where we can have questions where you're like, do I really want to know the answer to this? But, it, it, man, it's so important. Uh, and the Scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron. So have people in your life that you can talk to and, and gather gather with corporately to worship together. We, we're designed as social creatures, Um when Adam was created, God said that it's not it's not good for man to be alone. So He made for him a helper. And uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter ten uh, instructed believers to not forsake the assembling together. And that's a big part of it to exhort and to encourage one another. So if you don't have that in your life, man, I encourage you to get in a, a local church body. It's great to watch sermons online. I do it. I watch several pastors. But, man, there's nothing like being around believers and just hearing their hearts and knowing that you're not going through life alone. We'll wrap it up with that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you uh, check back next week, we will should be back next Thursday. We're going to talk a little bit about worshiping in spirit and truth because Jesus told the woman at the well that a day is coming when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. So we're going to dissect that a little bit and kind of see what he meant by that. So I hope you'll come back Thursdays. Every Thursday we're releasing a podcast. Share it, pass it on, tell people about it, and I will be looking forward to our next meeting. Until then, God bless. Have a great day.